Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Hello, I am continuing our series going through each Enneagram type in detail. I'll run through a description of that type, their motivations, fears, worldview, and more. I'll also give you common mistypes as well. Today, we're discussing type seven, the enthusiast. And fun fact, that's my type. Before we jump in, I have to remind you about the Enneagram Summit. If you haven't grabbed your ticket to the Enneagram Summit yet, make sure to head on over to enneagramandcoffee.com, click on the link to the Enneagram Summit and grab your ticket. It's going to be amazing. We have so many Enneagram experts like my Enneagram idols. And we have people of each Enneagram type. So if you are interested in learning more about a different type, check it out. I can honestly tell you, though, that these interviews, even if you're not even curious about a type seven, you should go in. You should be watching Ruthie Lindsay's episode. You know, you should be listening to all of the interviews because they're so valuable. They're so rich in gold because these people are amazing leaders and teachers and just people that I admire who have done their own personal growth work, and they have some wisdom to share. So even if you're not even curious about Enneagram Type 7, check out every single episode because every interview is just so, so good. So I hope you join us. And if you join us, I really hope you grab the All Access Pass because the All Access Pass is going to give you live Q&As every single day of the summit, and it's going to give you access to the summit well beyond the time that our live recordings go. So if you have a full schedule, you can't watch the recordings live, that's totally fine. You can watch them at your own leisure and you can ask me any questions that you have every single day of the week that you're able to join us. It is an amazing deal. It is the most that I could do. Like I did so much for this and I pulled in so many people and I'm giving it to you as affordably as physically possible to make it all happen. So If that is something you're interested in, check it out, enneagramandcoffee.com. Just click the link for the summit and read all about it. Now let's talk about type seven. So the motivation here for our type seven is that they want to maintain their freedom and happiness to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied, to avoid and discharge pain. The fear here is of being deprived or trapped in emotional pain. Type sevens are cheerful, fun-loving, and adventurous. And childhood sevens often lost faith in the potential for them to find adequate nurturing. Through this process, they learn to nurture themselves through staying entertained and choosing positive emotions. While there is a nice side to being able to care for yourself, it is often what creates a cycle of excessive indulgence for the type seven. Seven spends a lot of their time focused on the next great experience, looking for the next good thing to keep them occupied and entertained. Type sevens are curious, bold, fast learners, joyful, and often somewhat of a renaissance person. Sevens are in the head or anxiety triad, which manifests in their undercurrent of anxiety that the seven is often not even aware is driving their constant seeking of entertainment. Sevens struggle with overdoing things. If a little is good, then more must be better. They orient in the world with the burden that the future is full of exciting possibilities and I make the world a more delightful place. Because of this, they may keep pain and suffering out of their awareness by turning their experiences into something interesting, pleasant, nice, or good. They can kind of suffer from rose-colored glasses syndrome. They may rationalize or plan for future joy. 
They do a fun thing called positive reframing where you, you experience a negative experience and you find a way to turn it into a positive real quick. In relationships, type seven may find themselves ignoring the difficult parts of a relationship in favor of the next fun thing. They may neglect their responsibilities, often leaving them for someone else to do. They may find themselves bailing on plans for something that seemed a little bit more exciting. They may really, really love to give people in their lives an amazing experience. They may find it hard to sit and listen to others describe the harder parts of life. The lines for our seven, so the seven moves to type one and type five along the lines, and rest a type seven moves to type five. They may find themselves able to go deeper into a single subject first touching the surface on lots of subjects. They may isolate or even become more introspective and internal when they feel safe or are doing really well. In stress, they move to type one, so that could come up as feeling a little bit more judgmental, particular, rigid, maybe some black and white thinking, a little bit of self-criticism, all the good things. And the wings available to type seven are type six and type eight. You can use the type six wing to help you think through before leaping. It can help you to put systems in place that support your career. It's great for aiding you in being more connected and consistent in your relationships. You can use that type eight wing to help you in accomplishing your goals, asking for what you need and in becoming more strategic about where you place your energy. Through this wing, you can deepen your relationship to pleasure as well as find your source of power. The subtypes of type seven, as we've talked about before, there are three subtypes to every single number. We all have all three of them, but usually one rises to the top as our dominant. Those are self-preservation, social, and sexual. So the self-pres seven is the most practical and concrete of the subtypes. They tend to form a family or group of allies as a support group. They are great networkers. They're opportunistic. They are the most hedonistic of the sevens. They're talkative and friendly, grounded and earthy, and can seem like a six or an eight. Then we have the social type seven, which is our counter type of type seven. So they can often look like a two or a one. They're dedicated, anti-indulgent. They fear being excessive. They make it a virtue to get by on less. They take on a lot of responsibility. They have a deep need for admiration. They're always existing for the sake of other people. And they kind of carry this confusion with self for their awareness that they are both altruistic and self-interested at the same time. It seems to constantly be in conflict. And then we have our sexual seven, the most ethereal of the subtypes. They have a large focus on everything just being okay. They're imaginative, idealistic. They want to try everything. They can be a little bit naive. They have the strongest rose-colored glasses attribute. They're trusting and they're hopeful, and they may spend more time imagining than doing. The sexual seven is maybe the seven that we see in the stereotypes. It's kind of the most meme-y seven that we have. Let's talk about our common mistypes. So, Type ones are a little bit less likely to type themselves as a seven, but sevens may find that they mistype themselves as a one. When you don't really relate to the phrasing of scattered and you see yourself as showing up consistently, it can seem like you're closer to a one than a seven. However, sevens tend to show up differently on a given day, while ones are relatively consistent. Ones have a hard time having fun naturally, while sevens find a way to enjoy themselves even in times of hardship. Both, though, can be productive and really good at time management. The sevens are great at fitting a lot of things into a short amount of time, and the ones are great at making the most of their time every day. We have our type two. So the similarities between seven and two, especially if you are a social seven, is that they're both positive thinking types. They both want everyone to have a good time. They both love to make people happy. 
Now, the difference is that twos are relationship-oriented. They see themselves as a center point of their relationships. Sevens are autonomous, seeing themselves as kind of a solo traveler through the universe. Sevens are focused on getting their needs met, while twos are unaware of their own needs. A social seven could mistype as a two or a self-pressed two as a seven, but a big difference here is that twos are image-focused. They have a very specific way that they want to be seen, and that is as loving and as lovable. And sevens are a lot more focused on just how life feels to them. We have our type three. The similarities here is that they're both charming, talented, and action-oriented. Now, the difference is, is that threes want to take things all the way and may sacrifice the enjoyment of them in favor of going full force with them. While sevens are primarily focused on how it feels to do what they're doing and can often cut things off short because they don't feel good in the moment. Threes care more about the status and being seen as successful, while sevens care way more about the enjoyment of the process. Type four similarities here is that they're both self-referencing. They can both be really creative, a little bit unconventional, and indulgent. The difference is, is that sevens are in flight from their pain, while fours are likely to create their negative mental states as a source of comfort. Sevens also take quick action, while fours are action repressed. Now we have type eight. The similarities here is that they're both autonomous, they're both self-directed, they're both action-oriented, they're both adventurous, and they both can be dominating. The difference is here is that more likely for sevens to mistype as eights. So eights typically have heard the message over the course of their life that they're too loud, angry, or conflict forward. Well, the seven has likely heard that they left things unfinished or ended something too early. Eights tend to be more committed for the long haul than sevens are and tend to be a lot more relational than sevens are. Then we have type nine. They are both optimistic, positive toward others, and they're both conflict avoidant. Sevens are prone to being self-focused, though, while nines can get carried away by the preferences of others. Sevens tend to throw themselves into activity when stressed, whereas nines tend to shut down and withdraw. So that is the overview of our type seven. If you want to go deeper into type seven, you should grab your ticket to the Enneagram Summit. Just a last little plug there for you. Grab your ticket. It's EnneagramandCoffee.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I cannot wait to come back with another episode next week. If you have questions about the Enneagram Summit, don't hesitate to email us or DM us or, you know, however you want to get in touch with us, and we will get back to you as quickly as we can to answer that question because we want everyone who can to join us, especially when it's live, so we can get to meet you in those live Q&As if you grab the all-access pass. In the meantime, if you like today's episode and you have a little bit of time to leave a rating and review in iTunes, it just means so much to us podcasters. It never goes unappreciated or unnoticed. I read every single one and every one means a lot to me. So thank you so much. In the meantime, I'll see you next episode.